Welcome to a live preaching message from Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan, New York. Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan is the Apache branch of the Lighthouse Chapel International Churches in the United States of America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they might be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Make it up for you, baby. 
in our church in Boston this morning. Um, he's been excited to be there. He's been preaching there since Friday. And um, it's, he says it's been a good meeting and he's looking forward to being back here on Tuesday. Amen. So today, um, I'm the pastor you've got for this morning's service. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for today. And we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word always brings us direction. That it is a light for our path. That it makes wise the simple. We thank you for everything that your word does in our lives. This morning, Lord, I pray that your word will have free course. That you will be pleased by what I have to say. And that it will achieve in the lives of your people what you want it to achieve. Your word says that... Your word never returns to you void. This morning, may no word of yours return to you void. Amen. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, for the, those of you who didn't hear Lady Reverend preach when she was around, either in Maryland or Philadelphia or over here, I think you should buy the messages. She's a heavily anointed woman of God, and what she has to say on relationships and marriage really, really counts. Um, if you know her, she lives by example. For those of us who are privileged to know her, she doesn't have the easiest of positions, but she has always occupied it with a grace that makes it possible for those of us who have to copy her example in even a small way to do what we do. Because sometimes when we think that it is getting too much, we think of all that she has to deal with and how graciously she does it, and it gives us strength to continue. And so I, I recommend to you very highly that you should buy the messages. Whether you are in a relationship, whether you plan on being in one, whatever your situation is, it's a good message. There are good messages to have, starting right from Hanover. The message she preached in Hanover on marriage was very different from the one she preached here. 
So don't assume that because she came here, you know what she said. And in Philadelphia, she didn't even preach about marriage. She pre preached about praying for kings. And everybody has a king in their life. Your boss is your king. Unless you own your own business, your boss is your king. And even if you own your own business, you may need to learn some lessons about praying for yourself. So this morning, I want to preach about take heed. Take heed. The, the phrase take heed is a very short phrase. It occurs several times in scripture because the Bible is telling us about um, various things that God wants to warn us to be careful about. And um, so today we are going to take uh, a couple of, um, take an, a look at two verses which talk about take heed. There are so many things the Bible wants us to take heed about as believers. So uh, we're looking at Joshua chapter 22 and verse 5. Joshua chapter 22 and verse 5 in the King James Version, please. Um, take heed means be careful. Take heed means uh, don't be distracted. It's time to, you know, sometimes we all think we can multitask, but we don't multitask as well as we think we do. That is why we are all told not to text and drive at the same time. But somehow when you're driving, you think that I'm better than the other driver. As for me, I can text and not have an accident. Believe you me, everybody who texted and had an accident thought the same thing that you were thinking. It's that same thing that so sometimes you just have to tell yourself, there's no text message so important that you have to return it whilst you are driving. It takes only a second or a split second, a nanosecond, whatever you want to call it, for an accident to happen. And so when the Bible says take heed, the Bible is telling you not to be distracted. Because we all get distracted in life. And in Joshua chapter 22, verse, 20, verse 5, I said 20, 25, verse 5. But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So you, you are, we, now the next verse we are going to take a look at is Joshua 23, verse 11. Joshua 23, verse 11 in the King James. It says, Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. Joshua is talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. And he keeps on repeating the phrase, Be careful that you love the Lord your God. You would think that it is when you are preaching to alcoholics that you have to tell them, be careful to love the Lord your God. But it is to Christians, it is to believers that uh, Joshua is repeating something that he said Moses had said when Moses was alive. And the reason being that, is when you are taking heed, you are paying attention. You are being careful. You are avoiding distraction. You are focusing on what you are supposed to be doing. And then in 23.11 talks about being diligent. So you are not just being careful. You also have to be hardworking about the care that you are taking. You can't, it's not something that you can do in a lazy or a lackadaisical manner. So what are some of the things we see in this in 25? Verse 25, please, again, the previous one. 22.5. No, not 25. 22.5. But take diligent heed to do the commandments. We are, we are supposed to take diligent heed to do the commandment. The first thing we are supposed to take diligent heed to as believers is, uh, and to be careful and hardworking about is 
to do the commandments. You see, it's always easier to talk about something than to do it. It's always easier to talk about something than to do it. If you are not writing the ABS exam, it's easy to teach it. Because when you are teaching, when you are teaching the, when you are teaching the shepherds who are taking the exam, you have a book in front of you. You open the book and then you read and then you explain. Everybody can read and explain. By the time you've gone to school up to fourth grade, most people can read and explain stuff. You you don't. Some people even without much of an education can read and explain things. So. But when you are the one taking, you see, when you are taking the exam, it's different. You see, so you have, be, you have to be diligent to do the things that we talk about. And that is where we as Christians can begin to fall short. Especially when you've been doing it for a while. It is easy to pick up the book Quiet Time and teach it. It is not as easy to do, have your own quiet time every day. You get, you get me? You can teach the book without having your own quiet time every day. Uh, years ago, uh, a, 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 a Christian teacher wrote a, had a book, and she said, if you take a calendar, you know, like how the calendar shows up on our iPads and our phones, and you tell yourself, this is my quiet time calendar, and you are honest with yourself, and you begin to check, Monday, quiet time, actually had it, not imagine that I had it, or dreamt that I had it, or had it whilst I was sleeping, so I wasn't sure that I had it, but I think I had it, but you actually had it and you check. You may surprise yourself at the end of the month by how many blank spaces you have. And prior to actually beginning to keep record, you do not, um, don't you see how sometimes your bank balance surprises you? And because you are not keeping an accurate record of what you put in and how much you are taking out. So sometimes that's, that's, that's how it is. When it comes to doing the, word, the word, of, word of God, we are not practicing it and we are not even realizing that we are not practicing it, especially when you become careless about it. So doing, the, you have to be diligent to do what the word of God says. And, and you see, the reason why you are being diligent about the doing is that a lot of the things that we do, the Bible asks us to do, sounds very archaic these days. You get me? Even as a pastor, you have to ask yourself, you have to see, it's like, it's, it's this Bible, it's archaic. It sounds archaic. It's like, who says to anybody that they cannot sleep with someone before they marry them? After all, he's going to marry you. What's the big deal? He's going to marry you. What's the big deal? It's a cake. Why? Are we living in the era of Jane Eyre or Pride and Prejudice? Or, so, I mean, so you are feeling very modern and you feel that nobody has asked these questions before. Those of us who are half a century old, when we were your age, we asked. You, 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 you get what I'm saying? And by the time you are half a century, somebody else will be asking. Yeah, it has been asked. There's nothing new under the sun. The question has been asked already, and the Bible has not changed. The Bible is the Bible. You, can, you can't change the Bible. We are supposed to do what the Bible says. You see, so that's the same way you are 21, and that, that scripture is a problem for you. That's the same one. Somebody else is 50, and another scripture is a problem for them. You, 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 you get it. At every stage of everybody's life, there's a scripture that you grapple with. You see? And it, the fact that you are struggling with it does not alter the scripture. The scripture is not altered for any of us and for our strengths and our weaknesses. Everybody tends to need grace in one area more than in another. And a lot of us tend to, the places where we get excited are the places we find easy. Everybody finds something easy. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Everybody finds something easy. When you are in school, there are very few people who are so smart 
that they typically are good, whether it's liberal arts or science. Very few people range across like that. There are few people like that. I have a couple of friends like that. They can do anything. If they, if, you, if they have to get a degree in law, it's not a problem. If they have to get a degree in medicine, it's not a problem. But very few people are like that. Most of us have a slant. In the things of God, too, most of us tend to have a slant. You get what I'm saying? I find it easier to read my Bible than to pray. So I know a lot of the Bible because I've been reading it for a very long time. I find it easier to read my Bible for a long time than to pray for a long time. It's easily my easier. I, I read all the time. My mother used to tell me in my language that a woman is not supposed to read this much. It will not benefit you. <laughs> I remember the first time I said this to Apostle Job, he was so tickled. Because it's something my mother used to say to me in particular. No woman is meant to read this much. It is not going to be beneficial. And so she will make sure. She doesn't just say it. She makes sure. I, I meet young ladies these days whose mothers did not make sure that they knew what to do. And my mother made sure. She was a principal in the public school system. So even though we didn't go to school in that system, she made sure. She said, no woman is meant to read so much. Because a woman's life typically does not involve this much reading. And even if you read, you need to be able to use your hands. So she wouldn't allow it. And she used to say, ah, why do I have such opposite daughters? One person, I can't get to study anything. And then the other one, I think my, my younger sister is a balance. But the one after me said, this one, I can't get out of the kitchen. And this one, I doesn't want to go there unless you tell her to go there. But because she was a principal, she was used to different types of students. So she will make you do what you are not good at. You, 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 you get it? Because if you spend your life doing what you are good at, you won't get where you're supposed to get. You will never get where you're supposed to get. So even in the word of God, what you are not good at, sometimes you need to spend more time on it. I've told several people how, at, by the time I got to O-level, I realized that my math was bad. And in those days, if you failed math, you get an automatic grade three. And which meant that six form, everything is not going to happen. You get me? But I have friends who were good at it. I spent more time studying math at 15 and 16 than I studied anything else. Because math was my weak point. You, 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 you got what I'm saying? Math was my weak point. The other things were not a weak point. Literature is not a weak point. English is not a weak point. History is not a weak point. Math was my weak point. Even the sciences, I wasn't that bad. But the math, I, I never understood why we were doing what we were doing. But by the grace of God, I can memorize things and I have friends who can teach it well. So even in the, I, I, I can calculate the thing well enough. So I told my children, by the time you hit sixth or seventh grade, if your father is not home, don't ask me about your homework. As soon as you start uh, putting uh, cubes and numbers around X and Y and Z, I mean, I have already decided that I'm not going to think about it. <laughs> Past all those exams. I remember we were living in the Pocono Squamia, we'd have some complicated algebra problem. And I said, look, I'll call Uncle Sonny. Your, father, your dad doesn't pick up. You call Uncle Sonny. Uncle Sonny will solve the problem over the phone. As for algebra and the calculus. No, not happen. I, I won't even so someone told me that, oh, if you take a class in calculus at Radges, you can get into this MBA program. I said, it involves taking a class in what? She said, calculus. I said, you're joking, right? It's not happening. I'm not going to take a class in calculus today, tomorrow. Passing math at 15 and 16, that was the end. Don't have to do it again. No, not happening. But you see, in the word of God, you cannot decide that I don't like to pray. Or I do not like to read the word. It's eternity we are talking about here. You don't do it for three years and then pass and not have to do it again. 
for life. When you are a 90-year-old Christian, you need to pray. And when you are a 90-year-old Christian, you need to read your Bible. And when you are 105, you need to read your Bible. And when you are 55, you need to read your Bible. And when you are 18, you need to read your Bible. So if you don't like reading your Bible, you have to start praying for grace and mercy to read your Bible. Because the Bible says that we're supposed to be diligent to do everything that God has asked us to do. Including reading your Bible. Including praying. Including coming to church. Sometimes we all don't feel like coming to church. Nobody feels like coming to church all the time. Sometimes you just want to stay in your house. It's very nice to not be there. I remember when we first arrived in this country. I mean, there was no lighthouse here. But we went to church. So we went to a church in Jersey called Faith Fellowship. So... In Faith Fellowship, nobody knows us. You get me? We're just a group of African students and their wives who go to church there. So you go into church, you sit at the back. Nobody knows what you do. Nobody knows you can preach. Nobody knows that you've been a shepherd since you were 19. And I mean, nobody knows anything. I I came in here before I was 30. You sit in the corner, you smile, you drop your son off at Sunday school. It was nice. It was so nice. After years of the lighthouse, oh, I can't say that we didn't enjoy ourselves. When we didn't want to go to church, when we didn't want to go there, we came to Times Square in Manhattan. Even bigger crowd. Nobody knows who we are. Nobody knows anything about us. We even like Times Square better because the people in Faith Fellowship at a point, they began to notice that these people, they come, they began to ask questions that we didn't want to answer. And I was the one who showed up most frequently because both Reverend and Reverend Flesher were residents. And so they were typically every other day on a 24-hour call or every third day on a 24-hour call. So they weren't that known. I was known better. My, myself and my oldest son, we were better known. And so at the point, people begin to ask questions. Would you like to help with Sunday school? I'm like, ah, help with, with Sunday school. <laughs> I'm not helping with no Sunday school. I'm fine. I just like coming here. So I smiled. Then they said, can you teach a class? Then the lady said, we were living in Avenel in New Jersey. She said, can you join a, an area Bible study? I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> because I like my life the way it was going. You know, it was going there very well. I come to school in New York. I drop my son off. I work part-time. Nobody knows. I don't have to do any of this. I mean, you don't say it, but your life is the, what shows that you like what is going on. You don't say that I don't want to be a, set, a shepherd, a lighthouse shepherd anymore. But you know the bishop. I mean, he doesn't forget any of his children for a long time. So... I think by the time I had been here for, I was pregnant with Kwame when he first arrived. So here, he, he, Reverend brings me, he's told that story in various ways over the years. So Bishop arrives, and then you know that work has started. He located all his people in the tri-state area. <laughs> he held a meeting in our apartments. We lived in Avenel. Endurance, Kofi, I mean, he unearthed everybody from everywhere and held his first service. In the upper room. Before that, even before he came, the work had started. I had lived in Jersey all those years. We come to Times Square. Never sat on the subway. But before Bishop came, we had to find a room to meet in. So we had to go and meet Dr. Caroline somewhere in the Bronx. And uh, Endurance's husband. And for the f- hey, he said, what kind of subway is this? The, the tube in London is nothing like this. I mean, I remember the orange seats and how scared I felt. I mean, you know, because we had been living in Jersey about a year. But work, that was work was coming. But it's just that we ourselves, we had forgotten. The, the work was coming. Then he arrived. He had the first service and then he left. And then he sent in um, Bishop Adi. That was when the real work, because Adi was living with us. You see, when your pastor lives in your house, <laughs> those of you who think you can run away, the pastor lives in your house. 
So unless, I mean, at least for Reverend and Reverend Flesher, Reverend Flesher lived in the next apartment building. But for Reverend and Reverend Flesher, sometimes at least they could say they were on call. I mean, when I go to work, I come back. <laughs> you can't say that you're on call. You are the person here. In addition to being the hostess, the work has begun. From, I don't know where in the Bronx, we don't know. There, is, there was a time when I, we were convinced we could find Boston Road with our eyes closed because Ike lived there and we had our weekday meeting. I think, no, Friday all night. You know, when you don't do Christian things for a while, no matter who you are and how long you've been a Christian, you change. You don't even know you've changed. One of the first signs that we had changed was that when Bishop Adi attempted to have an all night. Oh, man. At a point, for, for about half the all night, he's the only person praying. People are tired and asleep. People who have been going to all night since they were 18 and 19, they are 30, they are 29, 28, sleeping. You will hear only his voice. But you see, he was a wise pastor. He, he didn't say much, not in the meeting. But you would think that he would, he would be discouraged and stop the meetings. He started having more every Friday. Say, ah, doesn't this guy know that we have school? You see, all the excuses you have, everybody has had them before. We, this is America, here we work. Then we have school. Then we have children. Friday without fail. Lady Pastor Lily, uh, LP, uh, Reverend Samson, all night. If you sleep, it doesn't matter. Next Friday, we'll have another one. And you see, it's not the type where you close at four. You say, somebody's coming to use the hall. It's Ike's house. Ike is a bachelor. If he wants to close the meeting at six, he will close the meeting at six. The work, you can't say that I don't like praying. By the time he left, everybody had remembered how to pray for the whole night. By the because you see, if you don't do it, you think you can do it. Some of those of you who don't come for all night prayer, you think you can do it. You, you have stopped doing it. We went, we were old. Now and this we are half a century, even we have an excuse. But back then, we're 29, 28, we were 29, 28, we used to sleep. By the time we sit down, I, 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 a sister is far away in dreamland. You, you don't know, but you have changed. The fact that you cannot come for the meeting, whether it's half night, whether it's all night, even one hour prayer by yourself, it's difficult. All these things are signs. Because you're supposed to do the word. Read your Bible. Pray every day if you want to grow. Fellowship. Come to church. It's not easy to come to church all the time. Everybody feels like not coming sometimes. But that's why the verse was written in Hebrews. You get, I mean, not forgetting the assembling of ourselves together. God knew that you were coming, you, you, you will live here. As the manner of some is, you are in the sum. Clearly, you know, depending on your lifestyle, you are in the sum. You get me? So you have to be diligent to do the things that the Bible says. Not diligent to tell other people to do it. Because we can all tell other people to do things. Everybody finds it very easy to tell other people to do things. You can tell other people to lose weight until you have to lose weight. You can, tell, you can tell other people a, a, a lot of difficult things in life. You can always tell other people to do it. When is it your turn to do it? Then, then, then we'll see whether it's easy or not. You see, you have to be diligent. You have to be diligent to do, to do what you see. You see, because otherwise in the church of God, we have what Bishop calls the movie pastor, the, the movie star pastor. We have turned a lot of our pastors into movie stars. So when we see them, what we admire is what they are wearing, how they talk, um, the cars, the limousine they are in, the crocodile shoes, if you like, if you like things like crocodile shoes, 
But you see, so, 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 so the person is actually a movie star with you. You are in a hurry to go and stand by the person and say, oh, can I take a picture? Oh, can I take a picture? You see, it's nice if in the midst of all that admiration, you do some of the stuff the person does. You can't see Lady Reverend and only want to wear her dress. You have to learn how to be like her. She's not just a hat-wearing, well-dressed person. She's a very deep spiritual person. She's somebody who fasts on a regular basis from the time she was I'm very, very young. She's been preaching since she was nine. She's not a simple wishy-washy kind of um, pastor's wife who likes, is just interested in sitting in front. She just happens to also like looking good. That's all. It's, it's, it's part of her. You get me? She, 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 I mean, she, she's, for the, where she comes from, Lady Pastor Anita comes from the same area. You can, they are related. Where she comes from, they are interested in looking a certain way. But the person is a very deep person. Deep in the word, deep in prayer, deep in practicing the word that she's preaching, deep in helping her husband no matter what the cost is to her. It's not a movie star kind of situation. You get me? Where you want to take a picture with the person. You want, there's nothing wrong with taking a picture with the person. But as you are taking the picture with the person, you, last week, last week I, I, I had the privilege of staying with her a lot over she was with me she came because of my my, my uh, reverend was having a party for me I, so i tell myself it's my show it, the fact that i'm one of her closest friends and the fact that i'm one of her spiritual daughters must actually show it's not just a matter of when she walks in then the room is full and other people don't have seats then you are walking with her so you bow miss you have a seat that's not what we're talking about you are sometimes for me that's actually a problem the fact that i'm thinking of all the pictures i'll be in when i didn't plan like maryland i thought it was a saturday camp style meeting so, ah, the party is over. I wore my pants. I wore a top, a casual enough top. Going to, going to a, hey, next night I saw a live streaming this. I said, ah, people wearing clothes, people wearing suits. Ah, Saturday nights is not supposed to work that way. You get me? But it should show. Something else should rub off on you. The person's love for God. The person's ability to do what God has said. It's not a movie star kind of situation. And then if you have the privilege of talking with the person and being around the person, then that's also another level. But the, a, a pastor is not a movie star. A pastor is a shepherd. You get me? And when somebody is your shepherd, a shepherd directs sheep. A shepherd tells sheep what to do. So when Lady Reverend tells me to do something, I'm supposed to do it. I'm not just supposed to stand up and shout, yeah. And when she says, in your marriage, you must do this. In do we. When she says, eh, as a lady pastor, you must do this. Indui. You, 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 know, you, you can't. That's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. It is, the person is not, it's not, a, it's not a star. You're supposed to li you listen to the star. You know, they have all these magazines in the grocery store aisle. And sometimes when you're stuck in the aisle, I mean, I, I have learned not to buy them. When I'm stuck, I read very fast. <laughs> I read very fast. I've always read very fast. I can read a whole law case in a few minutes. I'm done. I mean, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be done. So as I, if, if I'm in the line, I take the, story, the, the magazine. I can read all the important stories in the magazine. I know everything about everything. and put it back. I know. I'm not buying no people magazine for one reason. I'm done. I know, I know every important story in it. I, I have read it as I'm standing in the, in the aisle. It's, I, I, do, I, can, I cannot spend my money buying uh, people magazine i need to buy the evangelist uh, makane extra i cannot be buying uh, uh, people magazine if you see any of those things uh, then reverend gets some of them in the mail because he's run a private practice before so some of them come through the, because you're also supposed to know about current affairs you get me? you can't so you, if if you are going to 
do what you, you have to do. Don't, when you read about these movie stars, the lives that they have, so sometimes people say, you want to have a body like this person. You, 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 you are reading the magazine, this person just had a baby, you can also look like her. Hey, she has a trainer. One, number one, she has a trainer. She has time, time to be with the trainer. While she's, while she's with the trainer, she has a chef and a cook. You, 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 you get what I'm saying? That's, that's what they are not telling you. And she has a trainer, she has a chef, and then she has also the time to do those things. Because you, you clean your own house. Last time I checked, you don't have anybody to clean your house. You do your own shopping. You see, so as they are telling you that you can have her body, they are not adding all the other things that she has that you don't have. You don't have it. How, how, how are you going to? It takes, it would, for you to have her body, it would take a lot more effort. Because you, are not, you don't have a nanny for your four children or your three children or your two children. She has a nanny. Most of the time, she doesn't touch her baby. You, 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 you get what I'm saying? You can't, for you to do what she does, requires a whole lot more effort. You see, so the pastor is not a movie star. When you say somebody is your pastor, when they speak, it must affect your life. There are times when Apostle Joel has told me, said things to me, and it has really hurt me that he said it. But he has to be able to say it. Otherwise, he is not my pastor. Because he's the pastor of the pastors in North America. So if he cannot pick up a phone and say A, B, C, D, E, change A, change B, change C, then he's not my pastor. Because he's not a movie star. He's not supposed to walk through the door. Then when he comes and everybody's clapping, then I'm standing in front clapping more than everybody. He's not a movie star. I'm supposed to do what he says. Even when I don't like it. You, you, so when you say somebody is your pastor, the person must be able to tell you stop this or do this. Amen? The other thing we're supposed to be diligent to do is to love God. You see, you're supposed to be diligent to love God. To love God. How do you know? Lady Reverend was talking about how we all have this concept of love that is inspired by Hollywood and, um, and, and train stations and people running after trains and people mouthing, I love you. And then you are wondering, first of all, you, your husband, when you say I'm going, he doesn't look up. Depending on how tired he is, he doesn't look up. Then you are now, and then she said she asked the people in Ghana, which train station is in Ghana? For you to also go to, to for somebody to run after the train. Where are you going to, I mean, were, you know, I had never thought about it in Maryland when she said it. I was just thinking, where in circle are you going to run? You get, you, you get, if you know Accra, where in circle are you going to run? Who, what are you running after? The Totro or the, 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 the Tata bus? Which, which one? The Totro or the Tata bus? Or the New Plan or the STC to Wesley Girls? Which one? Which one is the person supposed to run after? You, 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 you see, it's a concept of love and romance that we, especially ladies, depending on how silly they are. Some, some people are more silly than others. You know, that there's, there's silly and then there's sillier and then there's silliest. I, I, I don't think there's the, there's the actual English word like that, but some people are more silly than others. Somebody said, all women are quarrelsome. Then, then somebody's answer was that, but some are more quarrelsome than others. So, you see, it's levels of everything. So the silliness is in levels. You get what I'm saying? So depending on who you are, no matter how much of the silliness you have soaked in over the years, now that you are a believer, we are not saying that nobody will love you or that nobody will take good care of you or that it's not nice if someone opens the car door for you on a regular basis. That's not what we are saying. You get me? But should in case you don't get somebody who opens car doors, we are preparing you for the realities of life. Because 
in, 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 the, in the experience of those who are older than half a century, there are more African men who do not open car doors than those who do. So, a way to the wise is enough. If, if per chance you get, he opens car doors. We are not saying there's anything wrong with it. Auntie Felicia, I wish there's anything wrong with it. Praise the Lord. Your husband opens car doors and closes them. And, and he can actually pay for the car. You see, one of my friends says it's not just a matter of opening the car door. It's a matter of whether the car can be paid for. <laughs> if we can combine all those things in one person, praise the Lord. You can pay chance, should in case that is not the situation. You have to be ready for normal Christian living, no matter your situation. The person with the husband who can open the car door. The person with the husband who can easily leave you behind. The person... <laughs> The person, <laughs> the person with the husband who uh, will come home when he likes. You see, there are different types of husbands. And that's why when you are choosing, a lot of the messages there are for people who haven't chosen yet. You see, when you've chosen already, you're supposed to be a Christian in your current situation. It's not, this is, and, and praise the Lord at the same time. If you haven't chosen already, as you are choosing, be careful. Because it's, it's not a buffet. It's not an all-you-can-eat buffet. Apostle Joel is the one who gave the gave us this example long ago in Holy Quest. It's a great example. Apostle Joel is one of those people, you don't know where he gets the examples from, but it's, he's a great teacher of the word. And when he says, he says it's not a buffet. You, it's not an all-you-can-eat buffet. You can't go and put this on your plate, put that, put that, decide I don't like it, then you go back, then you change, then you, you put the plate down, then you, no, hey, Christian marriage, it doesn't work like that. When you save yourself, you are done. You, you are done. When you say, there's nothing, unless what, unless what you want is not Christian marriage. But if you want a biblical marriage, when you save yourself, you are done. So typically, the messages benefit most the people who have not chosen yet. Because as you are saving yourself, everything you see today, it may easily not change. Miracles happen. <laughs> a few changes may happen. But t- typically... Typically, it's a buyer beware. Um, I, I think in law we say caveat emptor. It's a buyer beware kind of situation. When you purchase, you can't. It's not. It's not an American mall where you can take it. Ninety days return. This one, it, nothing is ret- Nothing can be returned. Nothing can be exchanged. I mean, the, 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 none of the different forms of your exchanges will work for you. None of the above works. Thirty to sixty days. Thirty to ninety days. Return to sender. No, nothing works when you save yourself. That's it. Nothing. Nothing works. Nothing works. So, uh, look, it's a a look before you leap kind of situation. Nothing works. Yeah. And as I say it, I say it as someone who sometimes my heart goes out to people in very difficult situations. As a minister of the word, Apostle Joel warned me once because I think he could tell that my temper was rising in the counseling session. These days, I don't think people can tell so easily, but back in the day, and so he called me after. He said, look, when we are doing difficult marriage counseling, do not show any emotion. When it's getting too emotional for you, think only of the Bible. Think only of the word. You are, not, you are a minister of the gospel. You are not supposed to get to compromise, to get emotional, to get disturbed for the woman involved and how she's being treated and start thinking that he should be talked to. He said, no. And mind you, as a woman, if you even go and try and help them, that day the guy says what they like, you, you will be the bad person. That one too is a lesson I learned a little later. 
step by step, you learn, you learn a few things. You see why people are so calm in the ministry. They can say the word. Apostle said, when all is said and done, you say the word, you say the verse, you say the words, and then you close the meeting in, with prayer. Because bottom line, for the marriage to work, everybody has to be a Christian. Uh-huh. Bottom line. So we have to be diligent to love God. How do we know that we are not be, I would say, ah, but Christians, why are we being told to be diligent to love God? We love God, that's why we are Christians. And then the Bible wants us to be careful of idolatry, of idols in our life. So I don't have any idols. I'm more like my grandmother in the village. I don't have any statues under my bed. I don't have mud statues in the front of my house. I live in America. If you get to my house, it's a nice neighborhood. I live in the, I, as they say, I live in the burbs. Uh, I didn't know, somebody said I live in the burbs. And I was like, what? Then it occurred to me that it's a, a short, what, what is it? It's a form of saying suburbs, right? I live in the suburbs. So I say, hey, really? Okay. Um, so you live in the burbs. We have heard. Wherever you live, you get me? You can have an idol. Whether you live in the Hamptons, whether you live in the Bronx, whether you live in Jersey, whether you live in Connecticut, you can have an idol. An idol is anything that takes up most of your time. An idol is what you have zeal and passion for. An idol is what you would easily spend money on. And everybody, you look in your life, you can see that, hey, it's are the things of God. It's loving God really something that, because if you love God, it costs you money. It costs you money to get come here on Sunday. It costs you money to maybe to pay for parking. It costs you money on Tuesdays. It costs you money on Friday. It costs you money if you are coming from Jersey on the, with a toll. You, the toes cost you money. Your easy pass is always same. Sometimes I ride to church with Nanequia. It's, it's very soon after you pay easy pass, your thing will show low balance because you come from Jersey and you come here quite often. And I'm sure the people who come from Queens and other places, people who cross bridges, Staten Island, you, you, it costs when something is the focus of your life. When you worship someone, when you worship God, it will cost you money. The fact that your, your Christianity does not cost you anything it's a sign that something else costs you something and something else is an idol in your life. This year, uh, Reverend has already been to Ghana, I think, two times. And he didn't go to go and visit family. He, he quickly passes through his house because he's, in, in order to be an overseer, he must go to Ghana a certain number of times and a lot of it is prescribed. The most they can do for him is that for the doctors, for him, for Reverend Lindsay, for Reverend Banfro, they tell them ahead of time so that they can fix it in their schedule. You have to be here preaching in these villages for two weeks. You have to be here. This year they told him he was the only one who hadn't done his. That's why he had to go for two weeks. Reverend Banfro had been. Reverend Lindsay had been. You can't be at a certain level of overseer without preaching in the districts in Ghana. They are not talking about preaching in Accra. You go at your own cost. You stay in the remote areas. You preach in those churches. They want you to know what the global church looks like. There is no way out of it. Otherwise, you are not a certain level of overseer or deputy. It has to cost you something. There is no lady pastor who, has, uh, who, who, has, who gets to meet other lady pastors and pastors' wives on a regular basis who hasn't been to a certain number of lady reverence meetings internationally as well as within the U.S., you can't sit in your house and then call the pastor's wives in New York. Hey, all of you come for a meeting. You, 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 you don't call people to come for meetings when you yourself do not go for meetings when you are called to come for meetings. You can't lead if you yourself don't know how to follow. A, a person who follows, doesn't follow well is not a good leader. 
you, 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 you want to live a life where you are in charge all the time. No, you have to be really, really high up in life to be in charge all the time. You can't be... No, think about it. They are living lay pastors in charge of people. They have to know what they taught you, what they've told you, behavior they have prescribed for you, even attire they have prescribed for you. You can't say that when Lady Reverend came, she didn't wear a, a, a skirt suit. So, so now, we, too, we won't wear a skirt suit at all when we are preaching. No, you are not allowed to do that. There is a, you will immediately get a letter from lay pastor Sarah or from Apostle Joel. There are rules to follow because the, thing, the whole organization is getting, the denomination is getting so big. They can't trust that if they let you, once in a while you can change what you're doing, especially when you're not in front. But if you're standing in front, they will, they will tell, Apostle will tell you, every prescribed rule works. If you can't obey rules, why should you tell somebody else to obey rules? Why should you be able to tell, why should I be able to tell Nicola to come for a meeting? If I, would, I don't go for the meetings I am required to go for. It doesn't work that way. A lot of us want to, you know, you, 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 you just, you don't want to follow. Following is part of doing what, is part of loving God. One of the other things that you have to do when you are talking about loving God is that you have to make sure that who do I love? God, what, what do I love? God or the things he can do for me? Sometimes you have to ask yourself, do I actually love God? Do I love the trappings of his power and his majesty? You get me? One of the stories Lady Reverend tells, which at first she used to tell only to the pastor's wives, but lately I've heard it on her podcast, so I believe I can tell you, was that when Bishop Saki died, to her great amazement, a lot of ladies told the other bishops that they were prepared to marry him. And she was very surprised. She said she, she was very taken aback. And the reason why she was taken aback was this. The ladies were also her friends. They greet her in the front of the church, but they never told her. They told the men. So she said, ah, she was wondering, why? Why didn't they tell me? Why didn't they tell me? She, and up to now, she doesn't really have an answer to that question. But what surprised her was how many people who don't really know Bishop Saki wanted to marry him. Because you can not really know somebody and still want to be close to him and attached to him because of the trappings, because, because it looks a certain way. If you have Bishop Saki's wife, Bishop Saki is the, was the pastor that was in charge of the Kodesh. Bishop himself is doing, doing healing Jesus. Only comes there once in a while. So if you are Bishop Saki's wife, I think people imagine that it must be a very prestigious... It's, a, it's when you are, you are a joker. You don't know what it involves to be even a pastor's wife, a lay pastor's wife. That is why you would think that being Bishop Saki's wife is, is a matter of dressing up and, 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 and ordering, ordering hats online. <laughs> if that is what it was about, it would be easier. Okay, that's not how it is. It's not like, take it from, take it from, from, from someone like me. It, it, it doesn't work that way. So the, the people, so you ask yourself, do they even know Bishop Saki? Do they know what he likes? Do they not know what he talks about? Can they chat with him? He said, somebody sent a, sent a text. She said, I wish we would take very good care of him. Somebody sent a text. She said, she should be considered because she had a vision. And in the vision, there was a man lying by her. Christians who? Not another church. Kodesh, live. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a movie. Nigerian movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> The church of God these days, eh, eh, a lot of interesting things happen in it. Look, I can't tell the story as well as Lady Reverend, but you should hear Lady Reverend tell it sometimes. So I will summarize it. The long and short of it is that, she, she, in the vision or the dream, there was a man lying by her. And when she woke up, she was startled. And as she was startled, she said, who are you? And he said, what is your name? And he, who are you? What is your name? And then he said, my name is Emmanuel. Bishop Saki is called Emmanuel. Everybody knows Bishop Saki is called Emmanuel. So, as you are telling this dream or this vision, 
as you are imagining that Bishop Saki is looking for a wife since his wife has died. What, what are you trying to imply? <laughs> you, you get, oh, the stories are many. I won't, I won't bore you with that. But the, the bottom line is that the person does not even know Bishop Saki to love him or to even like him, to love him or to even want to live with him. It's the trappings of his position. And sometimes we treat God the same way. We Christians, we seek his hand, not his face. We want the deliverance. We want the miracles. We want the answered prayer. We want everything from him. But he, God himself, are we interested in worshiping him, in praising him, in praying? If, the, if, the, if, the, if, if for any reason praise and worship is extended, huh, why is the praise and worship extended? Why, why is the praise and worship is taking too long? We are very tired. Don't they know we need to sit down? Why is the prayer... No, no, don't they know that the prayer before the, the, the pastor is talk, talking, 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 talking all the time, talking, can't end the service. You get me? Even as a pastor's wife, sometimes when I'm sitting down, I'm wondering, won't Reverend just summarize this thing so that we can all go and sleep? What he's saying? If I was saying it, I'll be done by now. But the truth of the matter is that I'm not the senior pastor, and I'm not the person who's supposed to preach 95% of the time. You get what I'm saying? So he's entitled to say it how he wants to say it. You see, he's entitled to say, because sometimes, as you are sitting there, you have to stop the thoughts from coming to you. If I was standing there, you are not the person standing there. There is a reason why they didn't pick you as the senior pastor. They know you can preach. There's a reason. There's a reason. One of the reasons is that you get tired easily. That is one of the reasons. There's a reason why they didn't pick you as the senior pastor. So the person standing there has a right to finish off what he's doing. So anything extra in the presence of God we are already tired. And we say we love God. When you love someone, you are not tired when you are talking to the person. Don't you remember when you used to make transatlantic calls and it doesn't matter how much it costs you. You, can't, you are just on the phone. Whether it's three hours, whether it's five hours, whether it's four hours. You are just on the phone. You are just on the phone. It doesn't bother you. It is because your love for God is not as much as it should be. That is why when anybody extends anything in the presence of God, you are tired. It's a sign. It's a sign. Typically, if, typically, if you check your life, I have checked my life several times when I start feeling like that. If you check your life, you see that that week, you prayed little, you read your Bible little, 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 and everything is reducing in your life. So when they, even when they are dancing, uh, Jennifer is always annoying you because as for the dancing there, that's what you can't handle at all. You see, I can't dance like Jennifer, but her dancing doesn't bother me because she, she, we all have different things to do in the house of God. She should do her dancing, and then when it's my turn, I can also do what I do. You go and say it's not a problem. <laughs> her, her dancing doesn't bother me. If, 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 if she stands in front of me and I don't feel like dancing, I honestly will not move. I will not, I will not lie to you. It's not my. It's not part of my job in the house of God to dance. I don't consider it part of my job. So, I mean, I mean, if I don't feel like dancing, I will not dance. And if I feel like dancing, I will dance. I won't lie to you. I mean, most people who know me know that. It de- depending on the day, I will dance, and depending on the day, I will not dance. It's not, I'm not annoyed. I'm just not dancing. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a problem. But for, for, for what she does, if you have a praise and worship leader who does not dance, then you will see what life is like. You get, if you get a praise and worship, so maybe you don't like all her dances. Don't look. Close your eyes. Life, look, a lot of the time, it's simpler to close your eyes than to create a problem with God for yourself. Close your eyes. Even the bishop says that sometimes when he's watching Christian TV, he puts the telly off so that he will not think something about what somebody else is doing. Sometimes he just sees this thing. I can't, I will think something. Let me just put it. Just close your eyes. And wait for the day when you are the praise and worship leader. 
and see how easy it is to merge your personality with what you are supposed to do in the house of God. Then, then, then you will understand that it's not as simple as it looks. When you don't know whether to dance uh, left, whether to dance right, and somebody does it every Sunday, you will leave here dancing alone. If they ask you to leave the praise and worship, people will sleep. People will sleep. If it's bothering you, close your eyes. In the house of God, it, you, people, you are standing. Nobody will think you are asleep. Just close your eyes. People will think that you are worshiping God. You are, just close your eyes. If God wants to change anybody in his house, from the senior pastor to the praise and worship leader, he will change them. God has never had any, found it difficult to change the people who serve in his house. It is his house. The Bible says when you, when you serve in the house of God as a leader, the judgment for you is stricter. Read through the Bible from Eli to whomever. There's no pastor, there's no prophet that God wanted to remove that he did not remove. Let alone if he removes pastors and prophets, the praise and worship leader. If he had wanted to remove it, he would have removed it a long time. When you see somebody somewhere, Lady Reverend says, when you see people working in the house of God, don't be in a hurry to pray for their removal because you don't know who their replacements will be. Uh When when, when you see people doing something in the house of God, as you are praying for their removal, remember that you do not know who the replacements will be. The replacements dancing may annoy you even more. And their preaching may be longer than the one that you don't like. Lady Raymond told me this a long time ago. She said, be very careful as you pray for the removal of people. Do not pray for anybody's removal. It is God's house. The prophets he removes. The kings he removes. The present worship leader is not a problem for him at all. From the days of Miriam, from the days of Miriam, he removed, when he wanted Miriam to have leprosy, she had leprosy. If he hasn't touched a present worship leader who has been somewhere for a long time, why are you expending your energy on the person? Let it be. You know, sometimes you see, and then we get ourselves, we are drawn into stuff. If you, are, you have any genuine concerns, tell reverend. And when you tell reverend, let it be. Live it. Amen. <laughs> loving God includes maintaining your love for him. Is she loving God now? It's never the same as I will love God in five years' time. You cannot assume. Because life happens. Situations change. And you may think that me, I love God more than everybody. It's a mistake. As I'm standing, you are standing there like, who was it in the Bible who said that? Uh, that, that I think it was one of the Pharisees. He was looking at the tax collector. He said that, I thank God that I am not like this tax collector. Hey, be very careful. In five years' time, the tax collector may be the person uh, assisting bishop at healing Jesus crusade and you may have stopped coming to church loving God includes and then so when you see people who have been somewhere for a long time you must respect them because to be somewhere for a long time by the time you've been somewhere for a long time you know all the pastor's jokes how many jokes can one person have when lady reverend starts a story whether it's on podcast typically unless it's a new story that happens after I left I know who the who the what the why the where, the when. It has to be a relatively new story for me not to know. When, when there's a, on the podcast recently, she was talking about a very arrogant uh, a church member they had. He was married to one of their main people's, the main ladies in the church. And when you get to his house, he used to come out in his pants. 
I'm not talking American pants, I'm talking about his underwear. He was a very wealthy man. He comes to the door, and I remember being sent there. I was so shocked. I was 22, 23. I, I, I didn't know where to look. You know what I'm saying? He comes to the, and his wife, when I was in Form 1 or Form 2, his wife was in Upper 6 you get, in my school. So his wife is somebody we all respect greatly. And I was, I'd forgotten what I was sent to do there, myself and my roommate. So she's up there. I, you, you knock on the door, he comes out in his underwear. That's how he's the kind of person, when the Bible says that some people, they don't fear God and they don't fear man. Uh-huh. <laughs> fear neither God nor man. Just, nothing is anything to him. I mean, nothing, I mean, it's not a, he's not, I mean, it's not a problem. So when they were, she was saying, I said, up her and he used to talk to the pastors anyhow. He said, hey, you are chopping our, our money, my wife's money. When she pays the tithe, what do you do with it? He's the same, I think he's the same person. He met them in a restaurant. He said, hey, they went to a restaurant after church. He met them. He said, you've come to chop the, 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 the church's money, you see? I, I, out loud in the lobby of the restaurant in Ghana, like that. He saw, saw them in the evening. He said, hey, come to chop the church's money. You, you see, that's how the person talks. Then Lady Women tells how this person was diagnosed several years later with an incurable disease. Suddenly, the whole person changed. He was in church early. The same person, he was the same person who told Bishop that, do you know how much my money is, my, my, my salary is, that you're asking me to pay tithe? He was the same person. Then he, he, he got ill. He came to church regularly. He paid his tithe and paid extra. He was a consultant. He traveled for work all around the world. Everywhere he went, he went to ask where's the nearest lighthouse branch. And he had been traveling all these years. He, one of his friends was diagnosed with a terminal disease. He brought them to Bishop. He said, Bishop, pray for this man. He must be born again. He must be this. And then as Bishop was talking, he began to join the conversation. He said, you see, you cannot outgive God. As you give to God today, this will happen. As you give to God. Hey, you see, oh, uh, I think it was Bishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa who said that. If you are not humble. Oh, you see, you just have to be diagnosed with an incurable disease. You will become humble. You will become humble. There's nothing like lying in a hospital bed, sick with everybody coming with pity in their eyes to look at you, even your friends. And you can see everybody's relieved that they are not you. They don't say it, but they are all relieved that they are not you. Everybody knows that you are dying, but everybody is sad. Few people are sad. Some of the people have come to look. A few people are sad. If you are blessed, a lot of people are sad. But it's not a simple situation to be in. We don't need that before we love God the way this guy loved God. We should pray to God for grace to love him. Grace to love his word. Grace to pray. Grace to serve him. Grace to do the right thing without something difficult. Because you see, love gets tested anyway. The, the, the Bible, I mean, life, life has a way of having seasons. Bishop Saki says that if your life is sunshine all the time, your life will be a desert. It's only in the desert that the sun shines the whole time. Even in the desert, I think there are a few variations. There are times with sandstorms and stuff like that. So everybody needs some winter, some fall, some... You know, we all need it. Sometimes when you think of winter coming, you say, man, winter is coming. When you think about it, so I, I, when people tell me, Reverend always says that in every winter, by January or February, he says he's moving down south. He's been saying it for a long time. <laughs> so, now that's what he says. I said, you have to stop saying this thing. 
he's moving down south or he's moving to Ghana. Now they say, he doesn't say they're moving to Ghana with as much strength as he used to. But down south, he still says, when he drives through the snow and he's zig, I mean, his car zigzags once, twice. This weather, this weather. <laughs> he hasn't moved. He's one of the few people who came to Beth Israel from Ghana who is still there. I, I think they don't even check his ID when he forgets, when he forgets his ID, he can't go inside. I don't know why he says it. The, the seasons happen in life. So if you don't love God normally, when it, times are difficult, how are you going to continue loving him? Because when times are difficult, everybody's faith is shaken. Everybody's faith is challenged. Uh, you, you get me? The reason why we sing so- songs like uh, Darin Czech sings that uh, I, I will not be shaken. You see, you, because things in life can shake you. So you have to work on your love normally. Maintain it so that when something tough comes, you will not be shaken. Another test of your love, as I close, I can't, I can't finish the message because Lady Reverend and Bishop, when they are preaching, you should realize that they are preaching, preaching at a convention. Nobody's timing them. It's a service. So I, I, have to, I, I have to end the service. So maybe I'll get another chance some other time and then I'll continue. But another test of whether or not you love God is what you are prepared to sacrifice for him. You get me? I, I, I think I talked a bit about that already. What you are prepared to sacrifice for him. And then lastly, in that verse in Joshua 22, verse 5, it talks about walking in all his ways. A lot of us like to walk in selective obedience. Selective obedience, I told you, is very easy. All of us, the subjects you like the most, if that was the only one you were being tested on, we would all have been at the, the top of our class in school. The reason why you were not the valedictorian in your class is that they don't test on only the subjects you like. They test on all the subjects. So it's the person who can do all the subjects well who is the valedictorian? What's the other one? What's the other? There are two things. Salutarian, right? Which one is which one is the academic one? Valedictorian. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that, that's the reason why you are not the valedictorian in your class because they don't test you on only the things you like to do. So selective obedience. As for me, praise and worship, no challenger. Tithe, hmm, not so much. As for me, I like the tithe. You get me? It's easy for me. Tight, because you are a generous person by nature. So tithing is easy for you. But will you come to church regularly? That's, a, that's another problem. We are, so, select in, we are supposed to walk in all his ways. Be obedient in all. And mind you, it's not all the pastor's ways. Or all the pastor's wife's ways. It's all God's ways. And that's why you should know your word. So that you know what his ways are. So these are some of the things that we have to take heed about as believers. These are some of the things that we have to be careful about. And I want to say that it's not as though God expects us to be careful about loving him and nothing happens. The Bible says that when you love God, Psalm 91 says that when you love God, there are benefits to loving God. And maybe another time when we get a chance, we go through what are the benefits of loving God. Because you, like the, 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 the consultant I was talking about, you really you can't out-love God and you can't out-give God. If you love God, he will take care of you. He has a way, but sometimes it's not him we love, and he knows it. It's the trappings, that what he can do for us. That's what we want. But if you actually love God, the Bible says in Psalm 91 that if you set your love on him, there's a whole lot of stuff he does for you. You get me? He delivers you. He, he does so much for you. But that is another sermon and another day. But let's concentrate on taking heed about 
loving the Lord and about walking in his ways. Uh, before we close, I want us to bow down our heads for a short word of prayer. As I've spoken this morning, I believe by the Spirit of God, I want you to talk to God about where you need help in being obedient in, to all of his ways, in, in to take heed that you love the Lord, to take heed that you'll be diligent about your love for the Lord, diligent about your love for the Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Our Father, we thank you for today, and we give you glory. We thank you for your great love that you have loved us with, Lord, that you sent your only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins. We are grateful for this love. We pray for grace to love you. We pray for grace to walk in all your ways. Today, as we are here this afternoon, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I would like to pray for you. I would like to give you a chance to walk into this great love, to walk into what our bishop calls the greatest love of all. Our Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for redemption. We give you praise and we give you glory. Amen. This afternoon, if you are here, I want to speak to you about your tithe. I, I, I remember saying that tithing is one of the ways in which we obey God. Tithing is one of the ways in which we obey God. We hope you've been blessed. For copies of this message or other such messages, please write to us at tapesandpublications at yahoo.com.